Dear UNDP colleagues, today I'm looking at Deodat Maharaj, colleague of ours, surge advisor, who just returned from Mozambique, where he was for six months deployed as a uh, recovery advisor. Uh, Deodat, welcome. The first question really is, what makes you a surge advisor? Can you tell us about your background and why you believe you're the typical surge advisor? Yeah. First, thank you, Jan Thomas. I'm delighted to have the chance to speak with you and all the UNDP colleagues. Uh, I think what inspired me and motivated me to, to serve as a search advisor was one, the experience I've had earlier working in a similar capacity in the Caribbean following Hurricanes Irma and Maria. And as a search advisor, I was able to help the Caribbean at a time of critical need. And I think the reason that we are all in development is because we want to make a big difference and to have a transformational impact where it matters on the ground and in the lives of people. And before going to Mozambique, the colleagues from the Crisis Bureau had spoken with me, asking me if I would be interested. And then they made the case and they noted that, and as we all saw in the news, Mozambique had just suffered from two unprecedented disasters. Cyclones Idai and Cyclones Kenneth that came within six weeks of each other. This had never happened before in Mozambique. And literally hundreds of thousands of people, amongst them the most vulnerable, were affected. So for me it was like a call to action and a call to duty. Does that make you a cowboy in UNDP to be a surge advisor? No, to the contrary. To the contrary. I think development is about making an impact where it matters, which is on the ground. And I have worked at the policy level, I've worked at headquarters, I've worked at the country office level. But the, at the end of the day, UNDP is a country-based and a field-based organization, existing to touch and make a difference in the lives of people. And if serving as a search advisor can help me make a real and practical and concrete difference, where it really matters under the time of urgent need. That doesn't make me a cowboy by any means. I think that it helps me to make a big difference and I really enjoy doing that. You are yourself from Trinidad and Tobago with a background in the, in the Caribbean. Uh, coming to Mozambique, um, what did you find? Can, can you tell us something we don't know about Mozambique that you saw as a newcomer? Well, to start with, the people of the Caribbean and the people of Mozambique and the people of Africa, we share close and inextricable ties. So for me, going to Mozambique was a different culture, different environment, but I felt very much at home. What was different about Mozambique, it's, it's a country of contrasts. So you have incredible beauty, at the same time you have incredible, incredible levels of poverty with heightening and increasing levels of inequality. And I think that when the world that we are existing now, where countries are seeing a greater intensity and frequency of natural disasters due to climate change, I think what you will see is that you'll be, you'll see, you'll be seeing a greater marginalization of the most vulnerable, and you would see increasing levels of inequality as well. I think that's not part of the standard narrative, but that's what I saw in Mozambique. And you felt at home? 
I, I felt that... You stayed for a long time. Yeah, I, I felt at home because of the cuisine, the culture, the people. But the reason I stayed for the six months, because the work itself as a search advisor was immensely gratifying. And I was able to see from where we started to two months after, to three months after, to six months after the impact. So, for example, I went initially to support the International Pledging Conference. So I was like the principal advisor to the government of Mozambique and coming from UNDP. I had done something similar in the Caribbean. In the space of three to four weeks, I supported the convening and the UNDP country office of a, a very successful International Pledging Conference. And within four weeks, I mean, we were able to support the convening of this conference that yielded 1.3 billion US dollars, of which 1.2 billion came in the form of grant pledges. And to my mind, at a time of critical need and the, the government having limited fiscal space, these resources would, would make a major contribution to, to building resilience in Mozambique, but helping the hundreds of thousands of people who were so affected by Cyclones Idai and Cyclone Kenneth. Amongst them, the poorest and most vulnerable. In the UNDP response in Mozambique, I, I, I ran into this word which was said the recovery facility of UNDP. And I believe that's a specific animal, something that, that you helped design. Uh, what, is, what is that specific approach of UNDP in Mozambique when it came to recovery? after these uh, cyclones? Yeah. So what we were concerned about Mozambique, the ResRep, the country office and myself, was that given the huge needs of Mozambique and the limited capacities as well, is that you had the phenomenon of a multiplicity of programs and initiatives, very fragmented, very scattered, all well-intentioned. So of course they were well-intentioned. But the challenge in such an architecture and arrangement it's difficult to manage, it's difficult to get the requisite results, uh, government isn't really fully informed of what's going on, going on across the board. So we came up with the idea of having a common program with a common management arrangement, a common funding arrangement focusing on the critical needs. And the three big pillars of this recovery facility were one, housing and community infrastructure, absolutely critical given the need and the disasters. Secondly, women economic empowerment and livelihoods. Again, a big priority issue for UNDP because women and their livelihoods, I mean, they are women amongst the most vulnerable and the poorest in Mozambique. So again, a critical need. And the third pillar was really the institutional strengthening of the reconstruction cabinet because the Reconstruction Cabinet is responsible to provide oversight of the entire reconstruction process, but it didn't have the capacity. So we worked with government very closely to come up with one package with one arrangement where it will be managed with a common governance structure. I should also add, Ian Thomas and, and listeners, that the entire process, we worked very closely with government. And what gave us a lot of trust and credibility was with the International Pledging Conference, the PDNA, because it was fully government-owned and led, and we were there to help as a neutral facilitator and supporter. 
So in this recovery facility, we sat with government and we designed it with government. When we had a project approval committee, we invited government to co-chair the meeting with us where all the development partners sat. When we discussed the program management and governance arrangements, we again reinforced and re-emphasize the importance of a common governance structure one, a common funding platform, and a common reporting and monitoring mechanism. What struck me most about this facility when you explained it to me, it was a UNDP facility. I mean, I would have, I mean, with the scope, the comprehensiveness, I mean, the, the relationship with government, this was not a UN facility or a World Bank, UN-EU facility. What, what did you do to, to, to have this as a UNDP facility? Well, well, to start with, one, from the International Pledging Conference to the PDNE to the discussions we were having with government, government and the partners recognized the global value added we brought as UNDP, leveraging global knowledge for local solutions. So that's one. Secondly, what was really important is that we had to act quickly. We had to act quickly. Hundreds of thousands of people were homeless. I mean, there were immense suffering. And therefore, the, uh, an architecture of an MDTF, MDT, uh, multi-donor trust fund type arrangement, I mean, the design and approve, I think, would take a bit long. And, and thirdly, we were confident that as UNDP, we had a really robust design. I mean, we are mandated as an integrator and as a connector for the entire SDGs. So that's the argument that we made, because it wasn't a pro program just about housing. It's about housing. It's about livelihoods. It's about community infrastructure. And UNDP is the institution that has a mandate and remit to bring everything together. And that's the argument that, that we made. And I think that the development partners sort of merit in such an argument because they have committed an amount already of 54 million US dollars in a 72.2 million dollar capitalized program. So uh, from day one, we had a very clear vision that this is a UNDP offer. But at the same time, we recognize the importance of bringing in partners. So the program as constructed, we have ILO, we have the World Food Program, as examples, UN Habitat as well, drawing the expertise of the different partners within this large umbrella of this recovery facility. So you're saying that UNDP taking the lead and this being a UNDP facility actually facilitated this integrated role? Yes. Which is some bit counterintuitive. We often think that it needs to be a UN thing in order for us to be an integrator, right? I mean, that's, that's, I think, would be conventional thinking. But to, re to, to really realize transformational change, sometimes you have to be unconventional. And in this case, the agencies, the development partners, government, they all agreed and saw the merit in what we were proposing. And also, I should add, the International Pledging Conference ended on the 1st of June. Uh, by the 15th of June, we had our first meeting with government and donors. Uh, three weeks after, we had a draft program document. The program was approved, signed, sealed with government at a signing ceremony in early August. And what we did, in anticipation of the resources that would come into the program, UNDP also demonstrated its goodwill. We invested $2.2 million 
of track of core resources to initiate activities. And we use our core resources to sign agreements with uh, ILO, UN Habitat, WFP, which generated immense goodwill. Okay, so it wasn't that we were waiting for the donor resources, we contributed uh, core track resources. The other thing that strikes me is that you associate, and apparently our partners associate UNDP with speed. I mean, that is also sometimes a bit counterintuitive. Of course, as a surge advisor and, and, and using track money uh, as part of a, a, a crisis uh, response, we are improving that. But usually it's not quite the image that we can get. How could we uh, create that, that flavor of speed? And was that also in, in what at a policy level, meetings with government, but in the field also? Were we doing something credible at an early stage in order to to earn that, that, that confidence? Yeah, no, no, absolutely, Jan Thomas, because what we had, I think, the beautiful thing about the search process is that we send advisors who are on the ground, whether they're working on issues associated with debris removal, issues associated with asbestos, uh, issues associated with livelihood. So we actually had boots on the ground in the field, I'm not talking about Maputo, I'm talking about the areas that were affected. And they helped to give a lot of credibility by the concrete and specific work being done. So that is one. And I think that helped to give a lot of credibility. Secondly, the PDNE itself. I mean, the PDNE is a substantive piece of work. It was fully owned by government, and government saw the value of UNDP. Secondly, the pledging conference, I mean, we were basically providing the technical and policy lead. Equally important was a disaster recovery framework, because what we did in UNDP and what the ResRep and I spoke to, we agreed to, we will do one thing. We will always deliver what we promised the government and deliver more than what we promised. So in the case of the disaster recovery framework, we promised government that the lead consultant, because we had a vision that we wanted UNDP, to be providing the lead coordination role of the disaster recovery framework. We promised government that our consultant will be on the ground on the 4th of July, delivered. We promised government that if it is that they need an extension, we will extend, done. Thirdly, the, the Monica Trujillo, who was the DRF consultant financed by UNDP, also did a fantastic job. The disaster recovery framework was approved by government and the Council of Ministers on the 13th of August, exactly as proposed. So all this really gave a lot of credibility to UNDP. But also we were very systematic, we were very organized, and we were very consistent. So I think it has to do with both A, the work that we were doing on the ground and that credibility, and B, the engagement that we were having at a more policy and a technical level. Well, that sounds like a great example of UNDP positioning uh, that then also has a positive repercussion on our integrated role, um, maybe a little bit contrary to, to the common narrative, but I, it sounds like a, like a great success story indeed. Uh, yourself, um, you were in Mozambique for six months. Um, did you find it difficult to leave? Is this now a job that you confidently leave to the colleagues behind in the Mozambique office? Yeah, I, I think, uh, of course, it was uh, my departure was bittersweet because I, I worked very closely with the country office colleagues. And I was sad to leave, 
but at the same time I knew that I think I had contributed with uh, the country office colleagues and the colleagues in headquarters in laying what I thought was a strong foundation and now it's a time to, to implement. So I think that's a different range of, of functions. So I'm happy with the legacy that I have left. But at the same time, I also recognize that there's a lot of unfinished business. Um, to really build resilience in a country, an LDC like Mozambique, um, and whether it's a typology of country, Mozambique, in Africa, or Asia, or the Caribbean, I mean, we need to generate and build a new partnership. Countries have limited fiscal space. Many of them are highly indebted. And therefore, and ODA levels are declining or could be unpredictable. Therefore, the importance of building a partnership with business and private sector for resilience, I think is absolutely critical. So if there's one regret that I have is that I didn't have the chance to work on that particular dimension. It wasn't in my core terms of reference. But going forward, that's what UNDP has to do. And UNDP is really well-placed to put together a very innovative partnership, bringing business, government, and of course UNDP in a tripartite arrangement to advance resilience. And more specifically in the case of Mozambique, Mozambique, I mean, has a very bright future in terms of the huge amount of natural gas resources. I mean, the single largest recipient of any single investment in Mozambique, in any country in Africa, has been a company called Anadako, which made one investment of 50 billion US dollars in Mozambique. And therefore, the notions of corporate social responsibility, of working with business, looking at issues associated with inequality, they're all very critical. And UNDP, I think, is perfectly placed to address and to work on that particular issue. So looking ahead in the next country program cycle, I think UNDP generally, but certainly in the case of Mozambique, building that relationship and that alliance with business is not really, you know, a choice. It's really an imperative because that will lead to transformation. There's always a next frontier for us. So yeah. Thanks for uh, volunteering that one. Uh, there that you, um, uh, you came back from Mozambique with your, uh, your assignment successfully completed. What's next for you? You're going back to your country office? What's, what's the, what are the plans? Yeah, my, my, I'm returning to the Caribbean. I'm going to spend, I've been away from my family for some time now, so I just want to, want to go to the Caribbean, relax a bit. I want to read. I have a lot of stuff that I want to read. I want to read, but I'm deeply interested in the issue of how you finance resilience and so I'll be writing about that and I'll be following those issues quite closely. And, and if there's another uh, area or country where I can be of service, of course, I'll be happy to do so. I mean, the experience as a search advisor has really been immensely gratifying and really fantastic. And I would really encourage others within UNDP and, and those on your roster to, to do it. I mean, you can really make a big difference and you make a difference when it matters the most. And that, to my, to my mind, is what was most wonderful about it. Well, you've made a difference, and thank you so much for telling us all about it. Uh, this was Deodat Maharaj, who was for UNDP, a surge advisor in Mozambique for the last six months, with some unique experiences that we will be mining and using for future. Wishing you all the best in your further career, and I'm sure we'll be calling on you also. Yeah. Thank Thanks you so much. much, Jan Thomas. A pleasure. Thank you. Okay.